0: Hey, everybody. So glad you're joining us. This is Pastor Tim McLaughlin, Executive Director of Adult and Teen Challenge at Upper Cumberland. And uh, just want to welcome you again to our podcast. Uh, So glad that you're joining us. Hope that, uh, again, these are a blessing to you. And uh, if this is your first time or maybe you've been listening to us for the last, I don't know, three years, uh, welcome. We're glad that you're with us. Today, I want to talk to you uh, about something Kind of interesting. I've been, you know, for the last several weeks, uh, I've lost track. Now I've been talking to you about the need for the Holy Spirit and and just the the who the Holy Spirit is and and I believe now if you've got an understanding of who the Holy Spirit is and and things like that 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 you can go deeper and deeper. I know that for my life personally. It wasn't until I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit until I really understand the presence of the Holy Spirit living in me, leading me, guiding me, directing my steps. It wasn't until then until I found true freedom and I found out how to to live a life um, free from life controlling issues and and to be strong in my faith. Um, But have you ever been in a church or, or been around people and they're really good about telling you what not to do, but they never tell you how? You know, it's it's one of those things of you know you, you need to do this. To, you know, if you, if you don't do this, you're going to go to hell, or if you don't do this, you know it's you're going to struggle or whatever. But they never really tell you how. So today, I really want to share with you uh, from the from the Bible, from the Word of God. I want to give you eight practices. These are probably not uh, the 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 ultimate list, but hopefully, there's some things in here that you can glean from. Eight practices to keep us from stumbling. Uh, if somebody would have shared with me years ago the the word of God in here, you know, Tim, if you'll do these things, um, it'll 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 keep you from making some of the mistakes that you've made. And uh, man, I wish somebody would have came to me and taught me these things. So so let's dive right into the word right here. Second Peter chapter one, verse number ten and eleven. 2 Peter chapter one, verses ten and eleven. Uh, if you have your Bibles, go with me. I'm going to be reading out of the new King James. Um, if you don't have your Bible or maybe you're driving down the road like I do when I listen to podcasts, well you just listen, keep your hands on the wheel and your eyes looking forward and uh, we'll read these for you. So second Peter chapter 1 verse 10 and 11 says, "Therefore brethren, be even more diligent to make your election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Man, I love this. Peter is just, to me, it's it's so specific. He says, listen, you need to make your be even more diligent. You need to, to be diligent to make sure that you're doing these things so that you won't stumble. So the Word of God is clear. The Apostle Peter writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and he says, if you do these things, you will not stumble. Now, the word stumble means to err, to sin, or to fall from salvation. Can we be honest? How many of you have ever stumbled? I mean, seriously, you you, you may have been saved 30 years. You may have been saved three years. You may have been saved three days. Have you ever Stumbled? Have you made mistakes? Maybe uh, you know. I don't know. Maybe you're listening to this on Monday, and you just made the decision to for Christ yesterday at church. So the question is: Has your mind drifted? Have you watched something on television? Have you have you maybe went back to that old radio station? Have you stumbled in some way even since yesterday? So. The, the question, the answer is probably yes. All of us have stumbled at some point. Romans 3.23 tells us all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So if by chance you're not one of those people and you say, well, I've not stumbled. Well, let me just tell you this. There's going to come a day where you're probably going to. You're going to make a mistake. You're going to, you're going to lose your temple. You may say something. You may have a thought that you shouldn't have. We're all going to miss the mark at some point. But thank God for his mercy and his grace. Thank God that he forgives us when we miss it. So this is the reality. We're all going to make a mistake. But Peter says we need to be diligent. What do we need to be diligent about? Well, we need to be diligent about our call and our election. So for better clarity, let's break it down even further and say um, this. The word diligent means to be constant in effort to accomplish something, okay? So to be diligent means to be constant in effort, to, to continue to push in, to continue to pursue. Uh, our pastor at church this past week, he was teaching on, you know, listen, we are imperfect being. We're all in the process of needing work. So to be more diligent to to be to be um, constant in effort, to constantly be practicing, to do things better. So then, the word "call" is the same word used when we uh, when someone gives you an invitation or a feast. So where he says, make sure that you're diligent, make sure that you're constant in effort about your call, about your invitation, about uh, about the fact that you have responded to the call of Christ. You've responded to the invitation that Jesus has offered to salvation. Revelation chapter 19 verse 9 says, Then he said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true sayings of God. So, we receive a calling to participate. We receive a calling. We receive an invitation to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, to be able to attend to the marriage supper of the land. And then he uses this word election. The word election is, is the same word as chosen. Okay? John chapter 15, verse 16, Jesus said, You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give to you. So listen, he chose us. God chose us. God created man in his image in the Garden of Eden. He created us to worship him. He created us to have fellowship with him. But then the enemy, the serpent, the devil, the the, the father of all lies, Came and he began to distract us and he began to pull us away. And so we need to understand that we need to be diligent about this invitation. We need to be diligent to press in because we are the chosen of God and we do not need to be um, brought away from um, our Heavenly Father. We, we need to make sure that we're doing everything that we can so we do not stumble in our faith. So we can look at this scripture that, that Peter had and we could say this be constant in every effort to accomplish or fulfill the invitation and appointment which was given to us all by Christ on the cross let me say that again listen closely so so let me let me let me back up okay second peter chapter 1 verse 10 The new King James says, therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble for an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I'm not trying to change what the word says. I'm just trying to bring clarity to it. So you could actually say this, we need to make constant effort To accomplish or fulfill the invitation and appointment which was given to us all by Christ Jesus on the cross. Do you see what we're talking about? because Jesus went to the cross, he died for you and I so that we may have life and have it more abundantly. We need to make sure that this invitation that was given to us through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ to receive his spirit, to make sure that we go to heaven according to John 14, that he's going to prepare a place for us. In order to make sure that that's going to happen, we need to make sure that our call and our election The fact that we were chosen by God, the fact that, that we were invited to be with Him, we need to make sure that these, this call and election, that we understand what our responsibility is. So then he goes into verse 11 and he says, if we do these things, what are these things that we need to do to make sure that we inherit the kingdom of heaven? That we make sure that our name is written in the Lamb's book of life? That we make sure that we don't drift away from our salvation and that what Jesus did on the cross was for naught in our lives? What are these things that Peter is referring to? Well, if we go back to uh the the word of god and we look at this in second peter chapter 1 verse 5 through 7 second peter chapter 1 verse 5 and 7 peter says but also for this very reason giving all diligence add to your faith virtue to virtue knowledge to knowledge self-control to self-control perseverance to perseverance godliness to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love Peter gives us eight things that we need to diligently do to keep from stumbling or missing the mark. He gives us eight things that we need to do to keep from stumbling or missing the mark. These eight things are faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. And then he goes on and he tells us in verse 8 of 2 Peter chapter 1, For if you do these things, if these things are yours and you abound in them, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you do these eight things that he just mentioned to us, we will abound. We will not be barren or unfruitful in our knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So not only do we need to understand and do these things to get into heaven, to get into the kingdom of God. We need to do these things. We need to abound in these things in order to be fruitful in our knowledge of Jesus Christ here on earth. So as we're looking at this, let us gain knowledge of Christ and see how we can walk in these things to keep us from stumbling. So number one, he said we must have faith. This word faith right here means allegiance or loyalty. Luke chapter 16, verse 12 through 13, Jesus said, If you have been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So Jesus tells us right here in Luke 16, we cannot be loyal to God If we choose to worship other things, what things would we worship? Well, there are people that worship sports. Now, I'm a big SEC fan. I'm a big college football fan. I won't tell you who my team is because you might turn me off, but but I like college football. But I don't place college football above my devotion to Christ. There are some people that fish and they say, well, I don't need to be in church on Sunday because I can worship God while I'm out on my fishing boat. That's wrong. God comes before fishing. There's no sin in fishing as long as you keep it in perspective. Well, what about when we start talking about things like drugs or alcohol? Those can become gods in your life. They can be things that are worshipped, and they can be things that can lead you astray. Those things will definitely lead you to sin. I just read an article last night, uh, it was a sermon that David Wilkerson preached back in like 2001, I think it was, or something like that, and and it convicted me. Uh, if you've ever read the, the Cross and the Switchblade, the whole story of Teen Challenge came up because David Wilkerson said, man, I'm watching too much television. This is 1958, man. This is before cable. This is before Dish. This is before uh, Netflix. And David Wilkerson I'm watching too much television. So he sold his television and spent time in prayer. And because he was faithful to get rid of that television and devote more time to God in prayer, God called him and, and, and he, began to, he started the ministry, which now is known as Adult and Teen Challenge. Because David Wilkerson understood that this television was becoming a God, it was becoming a life-controlling issue, it was rising up and taking over priority in his life that should have been God's. So if if we will be loyal to God, if we'll be loyal to the one we serve, then, then what will happen is this. We won't need to be consumed with other things or try to serve other things because we know that we're supposed to serve God and Him alone in everything that we do. So where Peter is talking about faith, make your faith, make your allegiance, make your loyalty sure. Make sure that you're doing these things. Because if we do these things, if we're faithful in what we're doing for God, then we won't have to worry about other things rising up in our life and, and causing us to stumble. Then he goes on and he says this. Virtue. Virtue is conforming to a standard of right or morality. So he says, first, we need to have faith, allegiance, or loyalty. But then he says, we need to have virtue, which means that we need to have a a standard of right morality. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, and I'll try not to get off on my soapbox, but there's a lot of even churches today that have lowered their standard of righteousness and their standard of morality, the way people dress, the way people uh, show up to church, the way—now, is it your suit that's going to get you into heaven? No. But should we should we show up to church dressed in clothes that you know some of us I probably wouldn't even wear to a a nightclub if we were to go to one? We we need to make sure that we have a standard that is higher than the world. That we have a morality that is higher than the rest of the world. Jesus said this in Luke 23, verse 50 through 53. He says, Now behold, there was a man named Joseph, a council member of good and just man. He had not consented to their decisions and deeds. He was from Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who himself was also waiting of the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen, and laid it in a tomb that was hewn out of the rock where no one had ever laid him. So what does that have to do with virtue? Jesus had so impacted this Pharisee, this council member named Joseph. So this man was on the same council that chose to lie about Jesus and to have Jesus crucified. But Joseph was not consenting. He was not following the crowd. He said, I'm not going to go along with the rest of you guys because what you're doing is not right. So he was Chosen, he he chose rather not to conform to the ways of the other council members, of the ways of the other Sanhedrin. He made a decision. Now, listen. They still crucified Jesus, but it wasn't held to Joseph of Arimathea's account because he chose not to make that decision. And then he felt bad about the decision that they made, so he said, "Listen, he said, I'm going to go back and do the right thing and at least take this 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 man down, take Jesus down, and and do the right thing and put him in a proper tomb and a proper burial." Listen, we need to make sure that we're making our decisions virtuous, that we've got a standard of right morality, Joseph of Arimathea arimathea had a standard of right morality and he was not willing to be swayed by the rest of the sanhedrin what about you where's your standard where's your morality are you going to be easily swayed by those that are religious or those that are that are immoral those that are living for the world are you going to do the the right thing and, and live a life that is pleasing to god regardless of what those around you are doing we need to live a virtuous life We need to have this faith, this allegiance, this loyalty to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and not let anything rise above it. And then we need to have virtue, making sure that our standard is is pleasing to God and not pleasing to the world. Then number three, knowledge. This word knowledge is the fact or condition of knowing something with familiarity that is gained through experience or association, okay? Okay. The fact or condition of knowing something that we gained this knowledge through something that we've experienced or association. Luke 15 32 says, It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is now found. This is from the story of the prodigal son. In this passage, Jesus had just shared with his disciples the story of the prodigal. And this is the last verse of the story where the father is explaining to the older brother the importance of why he did he did what he did for the younger brother. How he he's celebrated, even though the younger brother squandered everything, at least he came home, at least he repented, at least he tried to make things right. Jesus wants us to understand the gift of our salvation so that when we miss it, so that when we see others that have missed it, we don't get jealous or angry, but instead that we have compassion. Aren't you glad that when you missed it, somebody had compassion and was willing to lead you back to Christ and that Jesus was willing to accept your forgiveness? How much more should we also treat others this way and have compassion on them so that We can lead them back to Christ so that they can also, regardless of how bad it was, there's no measure, there's no line that says this sin is better than another sin. Sin is sin is sin. And we don't need to judge because we were all forgiven. Don't you know that the older brother probably learned to be a better soul winner after he gained the knowledge that was shared with him by his father? Listen, because he saw what his brother did, he saw what his dad did to the brother in the story of the prodigal son. The younger son probably thought, or the older son probably thought, man, listen, if my dad's willing to forgive this guy for all that he did, shouldn't I go out and tell others about this Jesus so that they would come to a saving knowledge? See, that's what God did for each and every one of us when he he died on the cross, when Jesus died on the cross. He made a way for each and every one of us regardless of what we did, how bad we we may have have been before. So we need a knowledge of salvation and we need to have a passion to want to share that knowledge with others. Number four, self-control. Self-control is the exercise of complete control over one's desires and actions. Self-control is to exercise complete control over one's desires and actions. Matthew 26, verse 51 through 54. It says, And suddenly one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. But Jesus said to him, Put your sword in its place. For all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you not think that I can now pray in my Father and He will provide with me more than 12 legions of angels? How then could the Scriptures be fulfilled that it must happen thus way? See, Jesus is teaching and practicing in this Scripture self-control. Not only is Jesus telling the man, the disciple, which we learn later is Peter, that cut off this high servant's, uh, high priest servant's ear. He's teaching him self-control, but Jesus is also practicing self-control. Jesus knows what's getting ready to happen. He knows that he's getting ready to go to the cross. He knows that he's getting ready to be beating, beaten, spat on, and crucified. But he says, I could call 12 legions of angels down right now but he practices self-control. And so he begins to tell Peter, Peter, listen, put your weapon away. What what needs to happen must happen. You need to learn, Peter, that that things are going to happen. And in order for ministry to go forth, you can't, every time you get mad at somebody, you can't start slicing off ears. Thank God that Peter learned from Jesus self-control so that when Peter later was put in prison, he didn't, He didn't throw a big temper tantrum. He didn't punch somebody, but he went to prison and he understood that that God, uh, what Jesus had taught him about self-control. So therefore the angel came and rescued Peter out of the jail. Peter was there on the day of Pentecost. It was Peter that when he had the vision of the sheet let down that Jesus said, listen, don't count anything impure that I call pure. It was because Peter understood this lesson in the garden on the night of Jesus' betrayal about self-control that Peter didn't go off half-cocked in his own power trying to do things. Instead, he trusted trusted the Lord. He trusted in the power of the Holy Spirit for the remainder of the ministry that he was called to. Man, we all need to learn self-control so we do not stumble. Fifth is perseverance. Perseverance is the same Greek word for steadfastness, which means to be firmly fixed in place. Another word for for perseverance would be immovable, not subject to change. Go to Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 through 10. I'm not going to read all of this, but this is the story of where Jesus was tempted by Satan. He was hungry and he was no doubt tired. Listen, when you get tired and you get hungry, you're not thinking clearly, but, but but we need to persevere. We need to make sure that we're steadfast, firmly fixed, not subject to change. Jesus was not moved by Satan, even though he was hungry, even though he was tired. Jesus was steadfast. The word of God tells us in John fourteen twenty six that the Holy Spirit will bring all things that we have seen and heard back to our remembrance. What are we trying to remember? Remember what Jesus' example was for us so that we too can be steadfast, that we too could have virtue. Listen, the Holy Spirit reminds us of what Jesus went through when he was tempted by Satan, how he was victorious because he did not sway. He stayed steadfast. He was not immovable. He persevered because he reminded Satan of what the word of God said and did not fall to Satan's trickery. We need to have perseverance so that we do not fall to Satan's trickery. Number six, godliness. What is godliness? Godliness is behavior that is reflecting correct religious beliefs and attitudes. Godliness is an attitude of piety. In John chapter 8 verses 2 through 11, Jesus again, knowing the will of the Father, is not to condemn but to forgive and instruct people the proper study of the word and then not to belittle uh, those that were around Jesus but instead to encourage them. See he did this he, he Jesus did this without browbeating people or belittling people but he did it in a form of godliness he reflected God's nature when he was correcting people in John chapter 4 sitting next to the the well and the woman at the well and he told her he said go get your husband she said yeah but I've had I, I, I don't I'm not married and she said no you had five husbands he didn't belittle her he didn't call her names but he began to teach her proper things listen when when we are missing the mark. We want people to reflect Christ's attitude towards us. So we also need to reflect Christ's attitude towards others that we know are missing the mark. We need to allow our behavior towards others be an attitude of godliness and piety. Then when we reflect godliness, number seven, we can operate in brotherly kindness brotherly kindness. The neat thing about this command is that Peter uses two words together that mean virtually the same thing. Affection. The Lord desires us to have affection one toward another. As siblings, you know, you may have fussed and fighted with your siblings, but nobody could come between you. I know my little brother, man, I used to beat the snot out of him, but if somebody else tried to touch him, man, you're going to have to deal with me and it wasn't going to be pretty. And so when we have brotherly kindness, that's what Jesus does for us. Jesus may bring correction to us and he may, by the Holy Spirit, try to, to guide us. But listen, when the enemy, when the devil tries to come and accuse us, the accuser of the brethren, Jesus says, back off. That one's under the blood. That one is mine. We, he has brother and we need to treat others that way. We need to have brotherly kindness towards those that stumble and teach them these principles so they too can live a righteous life. And then number eight, last but it's certainly not least, the greatest of all is love. It's the agape love. It's the God kind of love. There are many words in the Hebrew and the Greek and the Aramaic for love. And I've taught you this before if you've ever listened to my podcast. We need to understand that the English The English has completely... Uh, obliterated love, man. I hear people, especially in the South, you know, man, I love you, brother. I love you, brother. And, and, and listen, there's all kinds of different words in the Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic for love, but in the English language, there's only one, but we need to understand what true love is. Jesus in John 21 talked to Peter and he asked Peter, are you, do you truly love me? Do you truly have the agape kind of love? Because if you do, you're going to feed my sheep. You're going to be, you're going to be led where you don't want to go, but you're going to do it because of love. It was love that led Jesus to the cross. It was that same love that Peter also died on a cross, crucified upside down. Peter understood some things about love that we need to learn. 2 Peter 1.9 says, for he who lacks these things are short-sighted even to blindness, and they have forgotten that they also were once cleansed from their sins. Listen, Don't forget what Jesus did for you and do likewise for others. Remember these things for when you stumble and miss the mark because all sin and come short of the glory of God, that we can repent. And our heavenly father is our perfect example of these things. Do you remember what the Lord delivered you from? Do you remember what a great salvation was paid for you? Then show no less for others that they also may receive this same salvation. Peter says, do these things and you will be rewarded richly in this life and in eternity. Peter is not simply implying that uh, Christians have developed these traits in specific orders, but what he's saying is that we need to understand, we need to uh, try to accomplish all of these in order to reach perfect maturity. It doesn't matter which order you receive these. We just need to strive to receive all of them. See, these qualities need to be cultivated in our life, in the Christian experience, so that we are not stagnant, so that we are not impure, so that we do not stink in our religious attitude. Go back to the very first example of Joseph of Arimathea. He did not go along with the gang. We need to be ever-moving, ever-growing, ever-desiring to be with Christ and to learn more about His Word. John 15, verse 1 and 2, He says, I am the true vine and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away, but every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes that it may bear more fruit. Jesus wants to continually be pruning you and I so that we are producing fruit, and not just any fruit, but fruit that remains. A person cannot be productive to the fullest measure in serving God unless they are constantly growing in faith, character, and their personal compassion with Jesus and with His people. If we ever find that we're not being effective in our service to God, we need to examine our lives according to these eight principles, these eight character traits that we mentioned we must not take our salvation for granted, nor our relationship with God. We must continue to persevere in our faith and grow in our relationship with God. Be diligent, developing these godly character traits. It's the only possible way that we can grow closer to Christ. And it's the only way that we're going to rely on the Holy Spirit in our life so that we can show that same compassion to others god is calling us dear friends to live a life of obedience and holiness those who continue to follow christ and grow in these disciplines will ensure their faithfulness to the end father i pray that each and every one that hears this message father that will be blessed and it will stir up in them these things that they will operate according to these eight principles living a life, ever pressing on, knowing that we're not going to be perfect until the time when Jesus calls us home, but that we're striving every day to live a life, to live these principles out in life so that others would come to a saving knowledge and that we also, when we stumble, understand what we need to do to make sure that we don't miss the mark of the upward call of Christ Jesus in our lives father i love you i thank you that you love us and we give you praise for these things in jesus name amen amen god bless you thank you again for joining us and uh, as always if there's anything we can do for you please don't hesitate to call us 888-688-0470 or email me i would love to hear from you you can email me at tim at teenchallengeuc.org Tim at teenchallengeuc.org. God bless you. Have a great week.